All right, so um, without further ado, let's uh, turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. So we're continuing to, um, to go through uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And this morning, um, we're uh, in this place to where... <clears throat> by the way, forgive me for my, my voice is like... <clears throat> I don't know what, what happened. It's no sore throat or anything. It just came up on Thursday, and it's followed me all the way through today. So um, it's not, if you've never been here, this is not normally how I sound. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, um, it, it's, we're going through this, this study through the Gospel of Matthew. And um, I, I love it how it is that uh, we're going to learn about the calling of the 12 apostles, um, how it is that they're sent out to do a mighty work, how they're sent out by the Lord um, to the Jews first. Um, not that the Gentiles weren't also uh, given the gospel, but first he sent them out to the Jews. And how it is that the Lord equipped them to go out. But the title of this morning's message is Peace or Dust. Just keep going. And we're going to learn about what that is. Because one of the things that I've seen within the church is that uh, sometimes we can flop too easily. And with the Lord, he gives us a work that is, I know, very difficult. But at the same time, he equips us for this work. And he wants to build within each and every one of us a resilience. For us to understand that we truly do this work by his spirit, not by our own strength, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And as he goes and sends us forth, as we go, we go in his name and we are truly ambassadors of him. So we're going to learn what peace or dust means. And we already know what keep going is. And that is to just uh, keep on keeping on. That no matter what comes our way, we are to keep our heads up and continue doing that which we have been ordained to do, given to do. So uh, we know that people normally recruit and hire those with skills that match work that is needed to be accomplished. That would be logical, right? You need someone to do some electrical work. Well, you're going to hire someone who you know has the, the, the skills and the experience to accomplish the work that you need to have done. You need someone to fix your broken bone. Well, you're not going to go to anyone else but a physician that knows how to set a bone, cast it, and make sure that it heals properly. Jesus gives us lessons that are vital for us to understand and apply to his glory. And these lessons that are before us this morning is given to us and demonstrated through 12 men that we know as disciples, they are apostles of Jesus Christ, and he sends them out to do a special work. These men are sent out to do one thing and one thing only. And that is to communicate to the world, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Jesus not only uh, gives them this task, but also warns them of the things to come. And no matter if the gospel is received or rejected, they are to continue going, to never give up to continue on regardless of what comes their way. And so Jesus not only identifies what they would be equipped with, but also how to handle reception and rejection. 
And I believe we have the basics of how to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ before us. It's the very basics that we have here. It truly is not rocket science. You know, sometimes we make it to be just that. You know, I've said it before, how it is that at the very beginning of our salvation, how it is that we've come to know the Lord. We, We don't care. We just want to go out. Well, we want to tell everyone until we start receiving that rejection and that opposition and those tough questions come our way. And then slowly our zeal to spread the gospel starts to diminish and, and, and our courage starts to be chipped away at to the point to where we think we need to be a little smarter you know, to go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Where the Lord told us, hey, this is what's going to happen. So stay the course. Keep going. Because no one needs a PhD in order to communicate effectively the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's before us. It's quite clear. But simply, what we need is a willingness to go and simply tell people that forgiveness of sins is known through Jesus Christ personally. We are saved by grace through faith alone in Jesus alone. Right? We should believe, as Jesus said in John fourteen six. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so that's who we are proclaiming to the world. We sometimes get so wrapped up in saying just the right things in just the right way and start to sweat when we think of rejection. Even think of it. And we start thinking about the what ifs. Well, what if they say this? What if they do that? Well, it hasn't even happened yet. The Lord equips us, though. The Lord simply tells us to go and not to worry if they reject you. Because if they reject you, ultimately what they're doing is they're rejecting him. But if they receive him, they will receive you. It's simple stuff, but we need to be encouraged to keep going. To keep doing the work of an evangelist. Reaching the world that we live in for Jesus Christ. The Great Commission starts out with one simple word. What is that word? Is it up there? No. But <laughs> I thought someone pointed out. Like, maybe, maybe you put a, put a big word up there. Go. That's all it is, is go. Quite simple. You know, does, he doesn't give us anything else at that point. It's just go. And then what follows is make disciples of all nations, right? But you can't show people how to live for Christ until they come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the first thing, Right? The very first part of the Great Commission is that one word, and that is go. So peace or dust, just keep going. Let's pray, and then we'll get into our text. Father, we thank you, Lord, for Lord, just such simple things that we have before us. Lord, it's just the simplicity of the gospel, Lord. It's, it's, um, it's something that sometimes is hard to grasp, Lord. How it is that, Father, you sent your Son to die on the cross in our place to pay for sins that he didn't know, but we did. And to take upon him the sins of the world, our sins, past, present, and future. And that through him, we would know salvation, forgiveness of our sins by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that this morning that you would encourage each and every one of us to continue to persevere, that regardless of of anything that comes upon us, Lord, any opposition, Lord, that we would continue to go forth and proclaim the gospel, for it is the good news to a lost and dying world. 
I pray, Lord, for anyone here who does not know you, that to this morning, today, at this time, that your love would be revealed to them. And Lord, they would, before they leave even this morning, that they would respond to that love. They would know that all that is necessary to know salvation is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for our sins. He was buried on the third day, resurrected from the grave, and today is alive and well, sitting at the right hand of the Father and interceding for each and every one of us. Father, I pray that no one leaves here the same as when they came. Lord, that you would do a mighty work. So we commit this morning into your hands, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the disciples are sent. Verse 1 of chapter 10. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So what I want to do is is I want to go through these 12 men and give you just a brief background, if there's any background, because there are some that we have little, that we know little about, if, if anything. Let's talk about Simon Peter. Well, he's son of Jonas, as we see here. He was a fisherman who lived in Bethsaida, and we know that he uh, had also lived in Capernaum. Now, this was, um, the Apostle Peter is always named first. And the Apostle Peter is, as we know, um, the outspoken Apostle, right? He always had something to say. And we know that he had a foot-shaped mouth, right? He was one of, one of those that just, he always had something to say. And, and maybe some of you um, can relate to that. You know, it's like, man, I said it again. I did it again. I, I spoke too soon. And I, you know, he spoke out of turn. But here's the thing with Peter. He was one of those that, as, as we talked about at the very beginning, about persevering, about keeping going, he was one that the Lord could always turn to, right? And he would always be there. He was, he was Peter. He was the little rock. And he was always there. So Peter was a fisherman, but he was a resilient man. Andrew was the next one that's mentioned here. He was the brother of Peter. He was also a fisherman and was actually the one who had brought his brother to the Lord. That's, that's awesome. It's like, oh, you got to come and see the Messiah is here, right? And he brought him to, and, he, and Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Now, James, the son of Zebedee, was a fisherman. Now, there's three fishermen, right? John, the, the son of, uh, we have James, the son of Zebedee. And then we also have John who's also the son of Zebedee. He's brother of James. So James and John. Uh, They're also known as the sons of what? Thunder. Yeah, thunder. Um, I I know that many of us can relate to the sons of thunder. Why are they called the sons of thunder? You guys know, if you guys know the name, right? It's like, uh, just take them out, Lord. (laughs) Can we call down thunder and lightning from the heavens and just take them out, annihilate them? It's like, Oh, you have much to learn, right? 
But these were brothers. And John is actually, although he's one of the two who are called the sons of thunder, he's also John the beloved disciple. You know, we all have some growing to do, but here was, here was a man who was completely in love with Jesus. And he was always there. And he was the one that um, was with Peter too all the time. So they were together. They were a very tight-knit group, a group of 12 that were called together to be discipled by Jesus Christ directly. We also have Philip and Bartholomew. Uh, By the way, John, if I didn't tell you, he was a fisherman also. Um, Philip and Bartholomew. Philip was uh, more likely also a fisherman, uh, but it wasn't clear what Bartholomew did other than he was identified as a man who was a true Israelite in whom there was nothing false. And those were the words of Jesus. As he saw him from a distance, that is how he described Bartholomew. And that was in John chapter 1, verse 47. Now, Thomas, y'all know Thomas, right? And I know there are a lot of skeptics out there, especially in the day and age in which we live in. There's a lot of skepticism, you know, kind of looking at things sideways, not sure of whether it's real or not, you know. Is it just something uh, that's a marketing ploy, especially with everything that comes at us? Well, Thomas was a skeptic. He's also known as Doubting Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. Why? Because he doubted one thing that is critical to our faith, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, uh, you know, unless I, unless I see it, I won't believe it. Well, Jesus showed up and he showed him his wound, his wounds, right? And what did Thomas say? Oh, did he call him Lord? He did. What else did he call him? God, right? Yeah. He believed that he was not only his Lord, but also that he was his God, He was a disciple, though, nonetheless, a follower of Jesus Christ. He was a proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ. Matthew, well, what was he? He was a despised man by, you know, (laughs) he was a tax collector. Yeah, he was there to take money. So he was a despised man, but he was a tax collector. Well, James, the son of Alphaeus, lived in Galilee, and there is very little known about him. And then there was Thaddeus. Uh, he is known by three names, Thaddeus, Judas, and Lebaeus. But very little is known about him. And then we have Simon the Zealot. Zealot was the name of a political party at the time, and his name is not mentioned other than to be listed with the apostles. He's just one of the apostles. But then we have Judas Iscariot, thought to have had a job of perhaps a treasure, something to do with, with uh, money, finances before this. But he was the one who betrayed Jesus. And I believe that the main thing we need to be aware of is that not one of these men were known to be, quote-unquote, men who were coming up through the ranks. They were quite common men. Not men that were on the radar of those who were in some kind of leadership at all. These were very common men. I mean, mean, talk about blue-collar. I mean, fishermen. These guys were unlearned men is what we know them to be described as in the book of Acts. Your everyday guys. 
There was nothing special about them according to the world, but they were chosen. Equipped by God, they were obedient and followed commands, directives, and they were used to turn the world upside down, or as I like to say, right side up, right? They absolutely turned the the world right side up. That's why I, I say, you know, like here within Riverside, I know that there are many pockets, many areas of Riverside that have not been impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. People not going in and personally evangelizing certain areas of Riverside, the Inland Empire, San Bernardino. And that's for us. Can you imagine if the world was impacted in such a way with 12 men? What could the Lord do with just a handful of people here within Riverside in in this place that we live in? Just amazing things could happen. The special thing about them is that they were chosen and they were equipped by God and they were obedient and they followed commands. They were, they were following the directives that Jesus was giving to them. These are men who are to be seen in light of some verses. And I had kind of alluded to them as we were praying for Brian and Lance. And that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, which says, For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you, were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no man, no human being, might boast in the presence of God. And because of him... You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And that's who we boast in, right? It's like nothing that we've ever done can accomplish salvation and earn us a place in heaven, in the presence of the Lord. Forgiveness is never earned. It can't be earned. We are blemished. We are imperfect no matter if we spend a million, two million, three million days in hell, we can never repay. Why? Because it required a perfect sacrifice. And we will never be perfected in that manner. No, God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And he chose some very everyday common men to do this very thing so that no one could boast in themselves, but rather... Their boasting was solely in the Lord. Again, nothing special according to the world. Now, the word apostle means one who is sent. But the office of apostle is one that was assigned by Jesus to the twelve, specifically for the initial work of the furtherance of the gospel, to prepare and dispense the gospel throughout the world. They were ones who witnessed the life, the miracles, everything that took place with Jesus but also his death, burial, and resurrection. They saw him after he was resurrected. He appeared to them. Now, these, this was the office of an apostle. By the way, are there apostles today? The office of an apostle? No. Don't say yes. Because <laughs> you guys know better, right? There are many charlatans on TV. And not only on TV, but we hear about him, right? Oh, this is the apostle so-and-so. No, he's not. <laughs> there's, there's no office of, of, an, of, of an apostle. 
today. These were the 12 apostles, right? And so this is, this is a special office assigned by Jesus, by the Lord, and they had a special work before them. And that's what we need to note. That's what we need to understand, that God used these men to do a special work. What is special about the man or the woman or the child that is used by God? Because I've seen God use not only men, not only women, but young children do some amazing work for the Lord to serve him. Well, he is a humble disciple of Jesus Christ who is given over to live their lives for the glory of God and basically goes as they're sent. An apostle, one who is sent, and that is the work of an apostle, could not have been sent, an apostle, before one very important thing. You know, sometimes we we wish to be sent. Oh, just send me to go do a work, a mighty work for you, Lord. I'll go out in faith. I'll do this work. I want to do great things for you. I see this in the church all the time now. I want to go do great things. It's like, yeah, but you're not even a disciple. A disciple requires humility and a willingness to come under the tutelage of the Spirit and the Word of God. To come in fellowship in a a church and go learn. Go be a part of what's happening here. We have a men's study. We have a women's study. We have a midweek study. All of these are opportunities what to be discipled and to, be, to, to come and learn what it is to be a family. And then, I have no doubt, the, the Lord will prepare you to go and teach and make disciples and do great things for the Lord. But first, you need to, you need to sit. You need to be a part of what the Lord's doing. So the first thing is, as you note here, the first thing is they were called disciples in these verses. And the second part is that they were called apostle sent ones, right? Those are two very important things. Let's continue. Uh, Equipped for the task. Continuing in in verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received... Uh, well, actually, you know what? We'll stop there. And I, I want to stop for a moment and just cover these because they're very important. This is the equipping for the task. The Lord has called them. They are his disciples. And now he's sending them. But he's sending them as those who are now equipped for the task that God has ordained them for. We've seen here and in verse 1 how it was that Jesus gave them the power to do what he called them to do. The authority, the power we see there. But Jesus gave them the command to go first to the Jews and proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was a powerful preparation for what was to come through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's sending them out. Hey, listen, this is a very very simple message that you will proclaim to the Jews. Don't go to the Gentiles right now. I just want you to go to the house of Israel. I should proclaim this very simple message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's exactly what John the Baptist was doing. He proclaimed that. 
It was a powerful preparation for what was to come, though. As they themselves experienced and came to know the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel would later go to the Gentiles, but in the immediate, the apostles were first sent to the house of Israel, to the Jews, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, is how Jesus described them. The lost sheep of the house of Israel. These are in one sense those who had turned away from God and unto their own ways. But in another sense, they were like those sheep that had been neglected by the shepherds that had been assigned to oversee them. Who were they? Well, who were the teachers of the time? Well, they were the scribes. The scribes were teachers. They weren't just ones that took notes. You know, that's, that's uh, perhaps part of what they did, but their main work was given over to teaching. The scribes were teachers, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time. Those who, those were the ones that were supposed to be the shepherds of the house of Israel. But all of these people, as the Lord looked at them, they were seen as the lost sheep with no shepherd. The beginning of their mission was to proclaim the good news to the Israelites. Go to them first. Go to them first. And it is a simple message, isn't it? If you're sitting here this morning and it's like, you know, I've always been searching for the answer. You know, like, where did I come from? What's my purpose and where am I going? Three simple questions. In fact, if you're a philosophy student, those are the three questions that are often asked, right? So those are three. You ask those questions, well, it first the answer to those questions first begins here. To understand that the, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To know that Jesus Christ is here and he awaits you to respond to his love. Matthew 4.17 says, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus himself was saying that, right? Well, how do we know the kingdom of heaven? but it is through Jesus Christ. This is still a simple and yet profound message that is to be proclaimed. God desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance, according to 2 Peter 3.9. Have you ever asked someone, who do you say that Jesus is? Who, who is he to you? Right? Just ask that simple question. You'll get all kinds of different answers, right? But you can begin there. If you were to die today, where would you go? And how would you know? Those are just questions that can start a conversation. Not one in which you lead them to hammer them over the head with Scripture, right? But to lead them gently and lovingly to the grace of the Father, that, he, that, that love that He demonstrated through Jesus Christ. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? Psalm 145.18 says, The Lord is close to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. And so, this statement, this proclamation, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's great news. Does it get your attention though? The Lord is close and He is always there to receive you when you turn to Him. I remember that statement. I do remember words like that when... Um, when I came and, and, uh, and I listened to the word taught and I heard it, I heard the, the good news proclaimed. 
And I remember hearing those words, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He is close. And coming to understand that all it, all it was was a confession. So all I had to do is believe that Jesus is the son of God, right? To confess my sins, understand that I have fallen short of the glory of God and I have sinned, me personally, and I have offended a holy and righteous God. But he loves me so much that he extended that love toward me through his son, Jesus Christ. And by receiving him as Lord and Savior and asking him for forgiveness, that I would know forgiveness. Not just today, not just, you know, like I'm sorry and today's a good day. Tomorrow's another day. No, 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 no. Once and for all, when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, to tell us die, that means that the payment was made in full. It was a legal transaction for all time, for eternity, for whoever receives him as Lord and Savior is forgiven for all time. His sins are forgiven him, past, present, and future. And I knew that. And so these words resonated in my heart as I pray they do in your heart, that they do grab your attention. It was a message that was given then as it is today. It is to do today what it did then and what it should have done then and what God sent it out to do. And then there was this powerful authority. We know that the power and authority to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, and cast out demons is one thing, but to raise the dead, right? That is quite another. You all believe in the power to heal, right? By, by the way, leprosy was applied to all kinds of different uh, diseases of, of the skin, right? So there were, there were different um, skin diseases that were healed. Demons cast out. I can tell you that there are people today who are suffering from demon pres- uh, possession. And I can tell you also that the Christian cannot be possessed because uh, Satan or the demons cannot possess the same vessel that is possessed by the Spirit, Holy Spirit, but we can be oppressed. Sometimes uh, we can see that, and oftentimes it's because of the sin that we have not, we have not confessed, the thing that we hold on to, that we keep going through, keep receiving. But these things, okay, we understand those things. But raising someone from the dead, that, do you believe that that happens today? That someone is raised from the dead? If you're in the medical field, you should believe that. <laughs> If you've been in the medical field for any length of time, uh, you see some things that should not have happened, right? Like, wow, right? You hear of people also, and that has been confirmed. I know of one man that um, had no vitals, nothing for 45 minutes, and yet he came to. Can you imagine being the, the ambulance driver? Oh, <laughs> Joe's up. <laughs> Wow, we were taking him to the morgue, right? We're going to take a turn here. We're going to go to emergency. And it's happened. And, and these, they're confirmed, right? And let me tell you something, that these are recorded, and, and it's verified in Acts chapter 9 and verse 20. People being raised from the dead. And I don't see anywhere how this was common. It wasn't common, right? But I also don't see anywhere that it was removed. That there was a cessation a stopping of doing these things. And I know that uh, there are some that teach that there is a cessation of the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because they were good for the time and they died with the apostles, but no, there's, there's no longer a need now. Well, 
I, I would challenge you, go ahead and show me where it was that the cessation of the gifts of the Spirit, uh, Spirit are, are evident within Scripture. You, you won't find it. You won't find it. I believe in miracles, including healing, delivering people from demon possession, and even raising people from the dead. But we also can't be too, too quick to believe stories that don't have solid support. Too many people today want to be in the spotlight, you see, and receive the glory rather than just simply acknowledging God and give Him the glory. And so, I mean, as we pray for people, I've seen it happen here to where we pray over people. And I love, because, I love it because we have a group of people. You know, we have the elders come up and, and we have a whole group of people praying over others and, and healings happen. And it's like, well, no one gets the glory, right? We don't know who the Lord used to bring healing. It could have just been you. You guys were just praying. The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Lord availeth much, right? And healing comes upon a person. But he receives the glory. No man receives the glory. I think if, if one man, and we know some people who are known for their, their healings, right? They're in, you could say it's known that they're staged, um, that's, that's our problem. Human beings, people, we receive the glory. It's like, oh, I'm a healer now. I'm going to go throughout the United States and I'm going to go on a speaking circuit and, uh, and get paid lots of money to be the healer, right? It's like, no, you're not the healer. <laughs> you may have been a vessel used by the Lord to bring healing, but you're not the healer, right? But that's our problem. We are fallen man and we would take the glory of God but I do believe that the Lord continues to, to do all of these things and that much more. What was happening here, though, is he was showing his authority or he, he was giving his, his authority and power to those apostles so that other people would recognize that through them. It's like, oh, the Lord is working through them very powerfully, right? And they receive that authority. Overall, though, and in general, Jesus does the same today. Whom God calls, God equips. And I can tell you, and I've told you, that I know many people who, if you were to ask them, did you see yourself doing what you're doing now, like 10, 20 years ago? And most of them would say, absolutely not. God has a good sense of humor, right? And, and he calls and he equips. And let me tell you this. He doesn't equip and let you know right on the spot. It's kind of like what Lance was saying. Can you, you know, God calls and you hear that calling clearly. It's just as clear as day, right? And it's like, well, I don't see the sea parting. I, I don't see it. I'm going to keep praying. Lord, open up those doors. I, I know you're calling me that way, but I don't see anything, right? I don't see it with my own two, two eyes. And he's saying, just step out, son. Just do it. Just do it because I'm there. Have faith in me. You need to learn how to trust in me. If you don't, that whole work that I've called you to is, is, is not going to be an effective work. If you want to see everything before you do it, it's not a work by faith. You have to step into the water. You step into the water. It's like, well, I still don't see it parting. Because sometimes it's like, okay, well, I did it, Lord. Are, are, are you going to go ahead and bless my faith in you. He's all, no, go a little deeper. Um, 
I don't know if I've told you the story, but um, there was a, a, a course that I went through when I was in the Navy, and, and it was quite shocking at, at the beginning, um, all the way through. But in Navy dive school, we did these things um, to where we locked arms on the beach, right? Not that we hadn't done calisthenics. We haven't, hadn't run like miles and done all that, but we, <laughs> we were tortured. And we were like brought out to the beach, and we all had to lock arms. And what we had to do is go into the surf. And as we went into the surf, our instructors, I remember... Um, we, we would like start going up on our tippy toes and, and jumping up because the short guys had the disadvantage. We had some tall guys that were like 6'2", you know, 6'3". And it's like, for me, it was tough. Why? Because everyone's head had to be under the water before we could do an about face and come back onto the beach, right? That's horrible, But it was that trust in that our buddies, the taller guys, would get there quickly and maybe even shrink down a little bit in the water, right? And dunk that head and then and we could go right back. And then we were told to do sugar cookies. We'd had to roll around in the sand and then do flutter kicks and hello darlings and all of that. But the thing is, is that sometimes we have to step into the water like that. And the Lord sometimes allows our head to go completely underwater. But we still have to trust. Because we know that he is faithful. Sometimes we're looking for all these open doors. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to build character within each and every one of us. To build some resilience. Are you truly going to trust in me? Do you truly have faith in me? Things weren't easy for these apostles. In fact, they were all martyred. And there was attempted martyr on John's life, right? I mean, they threw him into boiling oil. Imagine that. Oh, I came out okay. It's like, wow. Things weren't easy. What has God tested you in? What's interesting is that you may be called to do a work, but the equipping may not be evident until you faithfully step out and do it in obedience, trusting in Jesus, and the equipping may come as it is necessary. It's not all at once. And then lastly, keep moving. And we'll keep moving here. All right. Um, you received, um, the second part of verse 8, you received without pain, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. So, just very simply, right? Jesus was sending out his, his apostles, right? To go and proclaim... The kingdom of heaven is at hand. But listen, don't take any luggage is basically what he's saying. All of these things, don't, don't take with you. You're going to have to trust in what I'm telling you. Don't, don't go well equipped. Don't, don't carry. Don't take with you an extra staff. All of that, you will learn that I will provide for you as you go. 
The gospel, by the way, is not something you didn't receive with payment. And so, therefore, you are not going to give it uh, without first receiving a payment. Um, That's something that we really need to come to understand, especially as pastors, right? It's like, hmm, if we were called to this, would we do it as a tent maker like the Apostle Paul did? Would we... Would we go out and do it just because we're called to do it? Sometimes full-time ministry. I like to say that ministry for me is, is a full-time, part-time, and, and then my uh, part-time work at Kaiser as a chaplain is part-time, full-time. You know what I mean? It's kind of like my heart is there, but if I said that backwards, forgive me. But it's like my heart is completely here. You know, but this is no, no part-time work. This is what I'm completely given to. And I, and I can honestly tell you, I know plenty of pastors who would be more than happy to work two or three jobs and continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. These men here that were sent by Jesus, they were men that, that the Lord had said, hey, listen, um, you didn't have to pay to receive the gospel and uh, you are not going to charge for the proclamation of the gospel. That This is a precious gift that is given freely by God and by His grace. And I sometimes watch and listen uh, for entertainment purposes, okay? These quote-unquote prophets, for profit is what I call them, on some of these cable channels to make sure I don't say anything that is, uh, you know, out of line or not according to what they say and do. Um, So I was um, quite amused uh, and also torn as I was uh, watching and listening to uh, this one pastor, Dana Muldoon, have you guys heard of her? No? Okay, I'm glad you haven't heard of her. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad because that means you're going through the channels unless you don't want to say anything right now, right? But it was, in, and by the way, I was flipping between her and Jesse Duplantis. Okay, so, ah, <laughs> you know Jesse Duplantis. Creflo Dollar, you guys know? Yeah? These, these are like unique names, right? Creflo Dollar. So, um... You know, uh, name it and claim it. Um, these are uh, health, wealth, and, you know, it, it, that's what they preach. And it was pretty interesting that um, she got to the point to where she sings part of her quote-unquote sermon. And, uh, and then she was talking about, hey, just send in your money and you'll be blessed. Oh, yeah, it was like very straightforward. Just send in your money. And you will be blessed. Why? Because you've done it out of faith. And it was like, man, this is, this, is all, this is all a show. In fact, there was a Calvary Chapel pastor, if you Google that. Um, he apparently went to her and, and uh, <laughs> very eloquently uh, got given the mic. She was holding on to the mic. And uh, he's, you know, he was referring to some of the people that were there listening to her. And, you know, I see some of the people who are his Calvary Chapel. And... Uh, and then at some point he said, and, and I, I just want to let you know that we need to be in, in deep prayer for this woman because she brings a false message and she is a false, and like her face was like, what? <laughs> right? <laughs> and he kept going on and on until she finally ripped the mic out of his hand. <laughs> and the look on her face was just priceless. That's what we're called to do, by the way. Okay? We're, we're called to point out, you know, what the false is, and even who the false teachers are. I've just given you a few names, so 
Um, they, they are false and we are to know. So these apostles were told, hey, listen, go out. It's not for gain. It's not for money. In fact, we know in studying on Wednesday nights, Balaam, that was his error, right? The error of ba- uh, Balaam was that he went out for profit. He was given a diviner's fee. That was his, his issue, right? And Balaam got him to come out, at least meet with him, right? And took him out. And we ended with how it was that he, he saw a portion of the Israelites in the distance. It was for gain. But they were to trust God to meet all of their needs. God was teaching them how he truly does meet their needs. They weren't to take, uh, not to take any extra set of clothes, no extra staff, staff, but the one they had in their hand. But at the same time, the disciples were to receive what was offered to them freely. Never as payment, but what the Lord was saying is that their needs would be met through the very people they were serving. In Matthew 10, 40, later on in, in the same chapter, it says, whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. So we know that to be true. And we know that there's blessings that are shared within the church, right? And so the Lord was telling him, hey, listen, from those whom, who receive you, uh, that's where I'm going to care for you through, through them. And then discern, who's worthy to have your peace remain with them? Uh, do, we have any, uh, do we have any peace uh, of ourselves to give to anyone else? And the answer is no, right? We don't have any peace ourselves. The peace that is brought with you is not your own, but that which has been given to you by God. You do not have anything that you have not first received. So we have received peace, and therefore we give that peace. But if they're not willing to receive that peace, well, <laughs> just take it with you. Keep going, is what he's saying. Withdraw. Because this is a peace of God. This is the peace of God which is known through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. Jesus made it very clear not to get hung up on those who reject the message or the messenger. Don't don't get hung up on that. Just keep going. The responsibility of the person who was sent was to proclaim the gospel. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, the success of it, well, that all depends on how you look at it. Your success is... Just being faithful to the Lord to do that which you have been called to do. You're not there to force conversion. The responsibility of the person who received the gospel was to believe. If not, they were in danger, quite simply, of God's judgment. The person who remains in their sin are condemned already. They they have already been condemned, right? They remain in their sin. But the person who comes to faith in Jesus Christ is him who has been forgiven by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The offer is salvation, forgiveness of sin, to be made right before the Father through faith in the Son. And before Jesus continues to prepare his disciples, warning them of persecution, that's what we're going to um, go to the next time we, we go, go into our study. He first wants to make sure that they know not to take it personally. It's like, hey, just build a thick skin, okay? A soft heart, thick skin, keep going. Don't stop. It's because you've been rejected. If they reject the gospel, they are rejecting Jesus Christ. But keep moving, the work is not over. The Lord desires that you keep going. Keep telling people about Jesus. Trust in Him. Know that He will equip you for the work that is before you. But whether they reject or receive the gospel, well, that's between them and the Lord. As for you, just keep going. Peace or dust, right? Just keep going. Learn to be a follower of Jesus Christ, number one, and then you will be sent. Make sure that you know how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower. 
one who would trust in God, knowing that he will equip you for the work that he has called you to, for the task before you to tell others, first and foremost, who Jesus Christ is and how they, too, can find salvation through him. And when you get knocked down, and you will, glorify the Lord by getting back up. Keep going. Shake off that dust and just keep going. Too many people, brothers and sisters, are staying down. They're like, ah, that was too hard. That was so difficult. I took that hit. I'm just going to go ahead and stay down. I'm going to kind of go off to the side and be sidelined. Well, there's no sideline. There's just there's those who cheer. But Christianity is one in which we participate in. It's a faith of participation. So get back up. Don't be that person that stays down. Know that God desires to get the good news out to the world through you. And you have a a circle, a, a sphere of influence. And God has assigned you to first of all impact that sphere of influence. And so we'll close with that, all right? And I do pray, as, as I said at the very beginning, that if you're here and you don't know the love of God and how it is that he has extended it to each and every person through Jesus Christ, that today be the day of salvation. For those of you who, who perhaps have been given some, some blows have come your way, you know, and and you found it difficult to get up and keep going, just be encouraged. The Lord is there. The Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah was a man who knew that very well. And so we need to keep going, persevere, and know that the Lord desires to do work each, through each and every one of you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, oh Lord, we, we thank you that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You love us with an everlasting love. Lord, that you desire to work through us. Lord, we are considered and called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, to proclaim the good news, to be a herald of the good news. And so, Father, I pray that you would strengthen us, your people, to do that very work, to honor and glorify you. And I do pray for those who are here that perhaps do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Just that confession that we have fallen short and Lord, a, a cry comes out straight to you asking for your forgiveness and asking you, Lord, to be God, to be Savior and to be Lord of their lives. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your love and we pray this in Jesus' name.